1: Welcome, Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou's extradition proceedings will go ahead. And today we're waiting for the fallout from that B.C. Supreme Court decision that came down yesterday. Associate Chief Justice Heather Holmes ruled that a key legal test to extradite had been met, that the criminal conduct alleged by the U.S. must also be considered criminal in Canada. Now, a state-backed Chinese media outlet says this decision will, quote, make Canada a pathetic clown. There will no doubt be more economic consequences. Canadian businesses are already hit hard with a 43% decline in bilateral dealings in 2019. Remember, Hmong was arrested in December 2018. And what about the two Michaels? Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig have been held in harsh Chinese jails in retaliation for this for 535 days. And as you heard in Bob's news, in the midst of all this, China is cracking down on Hong Kong, and the U.S. says Hong Kong has lost its autonomy. That is a declaration that could come with punitive action. I'd like to hear from you. What do you think of the Supreme Court decision? Was it the right one? Our government says judiciary independent. They have nothing to say about it. China doesn't get that. The numbers to call? 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, let's go to Chuck Kwan, the former chair of the Toronto Association for Democracy in China, and Charles Burton, a senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute and an expert on China-Canada relations. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Good afternoon. Good to speak with you, Libby and Chuck
1: Okay. Well, uh, Charles, uh, what is your reaction to this decision?
2: Well, I read. Uh, you know, I read the decision. I think it was a very well argued judicial decision, which suggests that the double criminality provisions of our extradition treaty with the United States apply in this case. That what the United States is alleging uh, Ms. Mung did uh, is also something that would be criminal in Canada, which is bank fraud. Um, you know, it, it, it certainly, I, you know, I think that if people have committed serious, um, crimes that they should be held accountable. And so this is not the end of it. Uh, you know, she hasn't been found guilty. It's, we're simply determining whether she should be sent to the United States to face these charges there. And, um, you know, she can prove her innocence, uh, so much the better, if uh, in fact she's found uh, guilty of serious charges, then then obviously she should pay the penalty for that. Um, you know, in terms of the of the relationship between Canada and China, if there had been a determination by Justice Holmes that Ms. Meng should be um, allowed to go back to China, that the extradition um, doesn't stand up in terms of the terms of the treaty, I don't think that necessarily would have been a good thing. Um, as we know, the Chinese government staged a photo op showing of various people um, not social distancing, incidentally, uh, um, holding up victory signs and celebrating Ms. Meng's release. And that could have further emboldened the Chinese government to believe that their policy of imposing arbitrary non-tariff barriers to violate Canadian and um, Chinese trade contracts resulting in losses of billions of dollars to farmers and their policy of uh, hostage um uh, diplomacy to try and pressure the Canadian government was successful.
1: I, I want to get to that in a moment, but first let's bring uh, Chuck in. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Libby. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, w- I want to get to that photo op uh, in in a moment. But w- what's your reaction to this um, to this decision?
3: Well, I think I, I, I think personally that this is the right decision for, for the judge to be making, as uh, Charles have said. Certainly in the heart of my heart, I wish it would have gone differently just because, um, you know, we have the two micros to think about. But I want to draw your attention to that photo op, uh, on Saturday, you know, three days before the, uh, so-called, quote unquote, expected victory. Uh, It just shows you the arrogance of how China is now dealing with uh, middle power like Canada. Um, If you would notice in the last year or two, China has been using languages like admit your fault or admit to a mistake and correct your mistakes before we get punished, you know, you get punished. This is the language that a a a principal will use on a student or, or a very paternalistic father will use on his his children. And this is the way that unfortunately China is treating uh Canada like a little kid that needs to needs to obey a uh, pathetic clown. Is a clown. And <laughs> yeah, then, so mean... so in that sense it's 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 really, really awful. Um and you know No defense of China, but obviously our neighbors to the south is also acting a very belligerent way. So we're caught between two belligerent bullies. And this is something that I'm not uh, very optimistic that this will resolve soon.
1: Uh, Yeah, Charles, again, before I get to the question of of that photo op, uh, because I think we have to get into it a little further, but... Uh, the the Chinese embassy here, uh, I'm just going to read a quote from them. The purpose of the U.S. is to bring down Huawei and other Chinese high-tech companies. Canada has been acting in the process as an accomplice of the United States. The whole case is entirely a grave political incident. Uh, do they just refuse to understand what uh, our independent judiciary is, or do they have a point here?
2: Well, I think it's both, really. I mean, obviously, this matter has been inflicted on Canada by the United States, um, requesting that Canada extradite Miss Meng under the terms of our bilateral treaty. Um, you know, that goes without saying. Um, the other matter is the Chinese government's insistence that if they put enough pressure on our prime minister, that he will call up a judge and order that Miss Meng be returned to to Beijing forthwith, thereby avoiding the Chinese government's fear that Ms. Meng, if she is uh, transported to the United States, might provide information to the U.S. government uh, about, you know, the nature of Huawei's connection to Chinese um, military intelligence and security agencies as part of a plea bargain. So, I think from from the point of view of the Chinese, they 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 don't acknowledge that our our um, judicial independence is real. Because uh, none of their political institutions, as as uh, put forward, are are anything uh, more than a sham. You know, they claim the National People's Congress is the supreme organ of state power, but it's, uh, it's a rubber-stamp parliament, and uh, the supreme order of state power, of course, is the Standing Committee of the Chinese Communist Party's Call-up Bureau. And and certainly in China, any pretense towards um, judicial independence is given the lie by the fact that all judicial decisions are subject to review by the politics and law commissions of the Chinese Communist Party at the same level as the court. So, you know, I, I, I do think that there is a tragic misunderstanding here, but I think it's also the Chinese government wanting to demonstrate uh, to Canada that we are in a weak position, and if we want to have the economic benefits of trade with China, that we have to comply with what China wants, and that we should have somehow or other made a choice between China and the United States in the Hmong matter and ignored the the extradition treaty and, um, and done what China wanted. And this latest decision, I think they were convinced that we were going to release her and then, when they found out that we haven't, it's caused them even more anger and uh, and frustration.
1: Uh, I would like to open this up. I know that, uh, in months previous when we talked about this case, we had a lot of listeners who think, who thought we should let her go. Why should we get in the middle of this? And the United States is not necessarily going to thank us for helping them out in this matter. On the contrary, they, uh, might be punishing us in terms of trade and all of that as well. So let me, uh, Give the numbers out again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744 four4740 We are talking about a B.C. Supreme Court decision from yesterday that the extradition of Meng Wanzhou should and will go ahead. It was not a decision that the Chinese government was expecting on the weekend. Uh, this was baffling to me. They staged a photo op on the steps of the courthouse. They had Meng and her team with thumbs up. You know, to me, what that reminded me of more than anything else, but with a smiley face, that scene in The Godfather, you know, where they found the head of a horse in bed? It was a, th- I took it to be a threat with, with a smiling face. Uh, did I read too much into it, Charles?
2: Well, you know, I don't know what was going on there. It looked very suspicious to me. I think uh, maybe it was um, trying to send out a propaganda signal that, you know, this is how it should be and that that Canada has been manipulated by the states. Of course, you know, the United States has not been helpful to us in the Hmong matter the way it should have. You know, they haven't assisted us in uh, pressuring the Chinese government to remove the... um, the trade um, sanctions against Canadian canola seeds and other uh, matters that have hit us in the bottom line, and they have not been very proactive in assisting us to gain the release of and favor or even to get consular access. Uh, U.S. Um, consular cases have been continuing using electronic means, phoning and video. Um, Canada's not been given that. So I think from that point of view there is some, some uh, virtue in the argument but um uh, you know the way the chinese government is playing it i think does uh feed into a general mood in china to try and distract the attention of the chinese people from the failings of the regime in dealing with covid-19 and uh, ex- and, and express more uh, nationalism and get people more keyed up about negative foreign um um uh actors trying to undermine China, whether it's uh, in Hong Kong or the border with India or Taiwan. They're all over the place with their wolf warrior diplomacy, making very lurid claims that cannot be, uh, you know, which are not valid. And I think it's a matter of uh, of concern in the regime that domestically they're weak, and therefore if they, if they um, drum up more nationalistic sentiment on the part of China, that they will unite behind the the leadership of Xi Jinping, which I think is a leadership that many are now questioning inside the PRC.
1: Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat.
2: Good morning, or good afternoon. Um,
3: we have to uphold this. If we don't, our, all our treaties are just going to fall away. Um, the Chinese are extremely good businessmen. I mean, I worked in Indonesia, where the Chinese population makes up less than 5% of the population, yet the Chinese control approximately 90% of the wealth in the country. So uh, they're using their strong-arm tactics, and we just have to stand up. To them. Unfortunately, I mean, either that or they will run the world at some point anyway. We, we know that, but uh, we, we can't let our democracy fall uh, on this one
1: okay pat thanks for that uh i've also heard a legal argument and uh, chuck and charles maybe you will have an answer to this is saying that if uh we said that the extradition if we ruled that the extradition was not legal and would not go ahead it would impede canada's ability to extradite people uh that we want. Uh, do you agree with that? I know that there are there are always legal opinions on both sides of any issue. Chuck, well,
3: I, I think that's very true. Uh, there's a reciprocity in, involved. Uh, if we let if we let this system fall falls apart, uh, then there's no guarantee that we could not extradite other people from, say, Europe or other places where a, a potential criminal is wanted uh, back in in Canada. And I just want to point out the kind of uh, hypocrisy in this thing. Um, Several years ago, when our government was was trying to negotiate a free trade agreement with China, China had insisted that the extradition law be part of the agreement. That means China has every right to extradite its citizens from Canada back to China if they deemed to commit a crime in can- in China. So uh, imagine if we were um, for a- any communist regime that can trump up any charges they want to silent dissent. Uh, they would attempt to extradite anybody who is or has been a Chinese citizen uh, back to Beijing uh, for trial and, of course, imprisonment. So this is a a weapon that China wanted to use for for its own citizens or past citizens. So this is something that that I think is also points to the kind of bullying that uh, China is doing.
1: Okay, let's hear from Tony in Brampton. Hello Tony.
2: Well, hi, how are you?
1: Fine, how are you?
2: Good. I think uh, China is a bully, and the best way to deal with a bully is to stand up with her, to them. Uh, we should develop markets in other countries and our own technology. And uh, the same way uh, Trump is a bully, we should stand up to him. He's on his way out. Uh, I, I, I think uh, we should stand our ground.
1: Okay, Tony, thanks for that. Except uh I want to point out one thing is that uh, you know with the rise of protectionism in the United States, who are our biggest trading partners, everybody's saying we we really have to develop trade with the Asia Pacific, uh China being the biggest player there, and now uh, if if we're not trading with the US and we're not trading with China, you know that uh, that kind of narrows the field a lot, uh, doesn't it? Charles. Uh,
2: well, I, I think that uh, you know Tony's got a point. Of course, that uh, we have to stand up to bullies; otherwise, they continue to bully us. Uh, there are a couple of things here. Um, prior to their barring our canola seed exports to China, our external trade to China was 4.7 percent. Now it's down to about 4 percent. That compares with 78 percent to the United States. So. At present, um, you know, because they, of the enormous trade imbalance um, due to China's imposition of non-tariff barriers on Canadian access to that market, our dependence with China is relatively small. The, the other aspect of it is that most of our exports uh, are uh, agricultural commodities and minerals, that kind of thing, natural resources and those are on a global market so that if china in retaliation barred canadian um uh commodities trade into china then that would free up markets elsewhere i mean obviously that's not a desirable consequence but you know there's always there's only a limited number of canola seeds grown in the world and uh, and the market is exists for those for that commodity so if we can't sell to china um we can import substitute um you know we have a similar situation now with china and the us's uh, trade deal where where china has, uh, promises to source a large amount of commodities like soybeans from the united states thereby uh, taking away our market in china but then you know we'll simply have to find alternative markets for soybeans um that previously had been buying us soybeans it's it's uh, it's a complicated question but if we don't demand that China comply with the international rules-based order and in, in trade and diplomacy by um, by saying we just won't engage with you if you won't play by the accepted uh, rules of fairness and reciprocity then we can expect more and more of this and Canada will be in a worse and a worse position so I think Tony has a, a strong point there and I think our government really has to, to 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 take what Tony's saying seriously and see if we can come up with alternatives through the Trans Pacific Partnership and other means to reduce our dependence on China's trade for building Canadian prosperity.
1: Okay, Barry in North York, hello.
2: Hi. Um, I would like to ask your experts a question, and that is I'm wondering why the United States hasn't gotten more involved in this, unless I'm missing something in the news. Uh, all he does is say, Trump says, thank you for helping, but I think should get more involved in. Um, when China tells us that we're immoral, they have the audacity to do that with what they do with their people and our people as well. But um, just, I think they should get more involved because we're, <laughs> excuse me, we're, we're doing something for them. We're doing them a favor.
1: Well, yeah, I don't think you'd get any argument about that here. Uh, but uh, Chuck, do you want to respond? I
3: I I, would, I I I think the current regime in the in the U.S. doesn't uh, care. Um, They are willing to sacrifice Canada to pursue their own transactional uh, goal of bringing China down. So in that sense, uh, Trump is just dangling this whole Huawei business or or the freeing of Meng Wanzhou business just to get ahead of uh, China in their kind of uh, superpower fight. So unfortunately, we are caught. Uh, between a rock and a hard place. Among when the two elephants fight, uh, our little animals get hurt and get trampled upon, and that's just as Trump would say, price of doing business. So uh, we pretty much have to fight on our own, and to be unified with other middle countries like Australia, who is now facing the same wrath from China as we have done, uh, you know, half a year before. Uh, because Australia has been pushing for the WHO to investigate uh, COVID-19 uh, origins in China and so forth, uh, China got very upset and stopped putting 80% tariff on any barley um, import into China from Australia, uh, as well as other things as well, beef. So, so China is actually fighting a war in, 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 in several fronts. Not the least is the um, they want to take over control of Hong Kong. And only with strong opposition, a common kind of enemy approach uh, from the West, can we achieve anything uh, uh, better in uh, to, to fight this bully, as I think Tony had uh, mentioned before.
1: I I want to get to Hong Kong in a minute, but you bring up something that we haven't touched on yet, and that is China and COVID-19 and their response. And uh, to my way of thinking, our Canadian government has really been uh, appeasing China. And there's no, I mean, would you agree that China covered up the extent of the problem for uh, quite a while before starting to disclose. While our government was praising them for being transparent, uh, Charles.
3: I, I I agree. I think I think that at the time of uh, you know treating China with uh, soft glove you know kid gloves is, is is over. We and I think Canadians realize that um, you know I think we realize that our government has been kind of too differential uh, the way we play the China card. And I think, uh, as you, you know, your recent poll, for example, shows that, uh, a lot more Canadians are disapproved of, of China and of course our, our non kind of stands against China, uh, that, uh, that, that tells us that we have been on the wrong track. COVID-19 response is one thing as well. Uh, but also I think you know, just bring back to the Hong Kong, I think we also have to take a stronger stance because uh, Canada is, is actually a, a witness or, or, or a co-sponsor or guarantor of the Hong Kong, um, you know, Sino-British uh, joint, venture de- joint declaration.
1: Uh, Charles, before we get to Hong Kong, what's your view of the way uh, Canada has res- been responding to China on COVID-19?
2: Well, I think that we were misled by the Chinese regime um, with regard to the nature of that disease, specifically early indications of person-to-person transmission, which China then relayed through the WHO. And the WHO apparently is not inclined to challenge the information they receive from China as they had done uh, when China was issuing false information about SARS. So, for political reasons, China attempted to suppress the information. As a result, Canada did not um, engage in measures to uh, limit travel from China into Canada or to engage in vigorous contact tracing, resulting in the greater spread of COVID-19 in Canada and thousands of unnecessary tragic deaths due to the Chinese dissembling on the matter. So when Australia put forward there should be an independent inquiry as to what happened so that this will not happen again, um, China then lashed out at Australia and suggested that they would stop the import of Australian wines, Australian meat, limit uh, Chinese tourists to Australia, and limit... Uh, Chinese uh, students from studying in Australia—a major hit to their university sector. So obviously, China is very sensitive about um, the missteps that the regime made in the early stages of the uh, epidemic, which could have, um, one hopes, limited its spread to uh, the Wuhan area. And I think uh, they're worried domestically that people inside China uh, feel that the the government. Um, managed it very poorly and uh... much to china's uh... dismay uh... places like hong kong and taiwan have had very low levels of of death because they um did not trust the chinese information as canada did and took much more um, vigorous measures early on so You know, it's not looking good for China. And I think this COVID-19 is something that poses a really strong domestic threat to the integrity of Xi Jinping's leadership that could have pretty horrendous consequences if we start to see a breakdown in the um, stability of the world's most populous nation.
1: Let's take a call from David in Queensville. Hi, David.
2: Hi, Libby. How are you today?
1: Fine. How are you? Uh,
2: Pretty good. Pretty good. And uh, I appreciate a lot of things, but I won't mention them right now. Um, I guess my point is, after listening to the conversation, it is not the good Chinese people and American people we're being victimized by. Yep. So we need positive propaganda. We need truth. From Canada to the Chinese and American citizens, especially the younger generations. We need it in our own country because of the divide between Zoomers, Millennials, and the Doomer Gloomers. So explaining our situation that we're caught between these governments, these, these bad governments, because it was the government propaganda by Hitler that created the World War II. Come on. This is, this is what we're leading up to if we don't uh, try to prevent the escalation and, and focus more on education. Let the truth guide the good people everywhere. Okay, thank you. That.
1: Yep. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, I did recently an interview with the human rights activist, our former Justice Minister, Erwin Kotler, and, and he stopped and corrected me and wanted to make a, uh, real distinction between China and, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. So, yes. I agree. Chuck, uh, let's talk about Hong Kong for a moment here. So they're cracking down on Hong Kong. Why now? And what should we do about it? We have 300,000 Canadians in Hong Kong.
3: Well, um, they're doing it because under the cover of COVID-19, obviously, uh, they felt that the protests, that Hong Kong carry out over the last nine months is uh, is basically uh, a challenge to the rule and and a challenge to uh, splitting up um, actually trying to split up China. So this is something that's very dear to uh, China's heart is to unify Hong Kong and Taiwan as well as putting tibet and, and Xinjiang region under more control of China. So this is their way of saying, okay, Enough about waiting for this for fifty years. We're just going to do it right now, just to prevent any more uh, disaster coming in. Um, but the long game is that I think China and the U.S. are playing a kind of uh, chicken, a game of chicken, and seeing who blink first. Obviously, Hong Kong is very important in 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 ch- to China uh, at. Both as a, uh, a port of entry of all the investment money, uh, you see that uh, people like Alibaba, the big companies, all have the listing in Hong Kong, uh, so that they can attract foreign capital, and not in Shanghai, uh, which is the domestic, you know, biggest domestic uh, capital market. So, so you know, this is a, uh, something that we have, we are we're going to see play out. And, and my worry is that China is going to sacrifice Hong Kong um, just to get their way. And this is something that I, I would not, uh, uh, you know, I, I would say Xi Jinping is, is really, really bargaining on that he could take control of, of Hong Kong without angering the world. And I think to an
2: extent, he's succeeding. Charles? Well, I think that certainly, um, you know, we have to have concern about the 300,000 Canadians in Hong Kong, and if there is a movement by the People's Armed Police to, to um, engage in repressive measures to round up people who support democracy and don't uh, support the Chinese Communist Party and don't want to see uh, destruction of the independence of the judiciary there, freedom of expression, that the curriculum and the schools shouldn't be changed over to the same one as in China, that that we have to be worried that the Chinese government may not recognize their Canadian citizenship and um, and will not extend constant protection to them, such as we've seen uh, in some other uh, cases of ethnic Chinese. I think, in general, you know, the the, the previous caller's observation is so true. A person Chinese origin in Canada have no connection to the Chinese Communist Party's alleged false reporting on the spread of the coronavirus. You know, the, our, our Canadian Chinese built this country and make an enormous contribution to the good and just society that Canada is, and we should be celebrating them. They already have enough trouble by pressure from agents of the Chinese regime Absolutely. Trying to get them to be disloyal, and then you combine that with stupid racists, um, you know, Suggesting that they're not, uh, that they shouldn't be in Canada, I, I just, you know, I just, uh, I just find it appalling. And we have to stand with Chinese Canadians and assure that they're fully recognized as, as contributors to our society and values members of our community.
1: Uh, again, but back to Hong Kong, Charles, I mean, what should Canada be doing?
2: Well, I think certainly, um, you know, the time has come for us to make to draw some line in the sand, and I think that um, because of the violation of the Sino-British Joint Declaration, which as Chuck pointed out, Canada endorsed at the request of the government of China and Britain at the time when it was lodged with the UN, that this is a, a gross violation of of an international treaty and a gross violation of the guarantee of protection of the human rights of of persons in hong kong and so we do have uh... the magnitsky list you know we could start sanctioning chinese officials who have been complicit in these violations of international law by freezing their assets in canada and not allowing them to uh... to come to our shores but that that uh, is a measure which uh, other countries are considering including the United States who are planning, who are considering putting all of the members of China's National People's Congress and senior communists and other officials onto the sanction list to express to the Chinese regime that there are costs for this kind of action and that we simply don't want to be collaborating and... and um, facilitating what you're doing. And we're going, to, we're going to name names and make consequences for um, the things that are being done to the fine people in Hong Kong who value democracy and freedom and want to maintain the distinctive Cantonese culture of Hong Kong against the incursions of an authoritarian one-party regime.
1: Okay, we are basically out of time. I just want to give you 20 seconds each. How is this going to impact the two Michaels? Chuck?
3: I don't think we have uh, any uh, way of impacting the two Michaels case. I think this we're pretty much up to the mercy of um, China. Uh, I agree with Charles. Uh, we need to stand up and start doing more concrete action in censoring China. And uh, China will, will respect a strong opposition. Uh, otherwise, they'll just continue to bully us.
1: And Charles, last 20 seconds, the two Michaels?
2: I'm very worried about uh, what the Chinese government is going to do to these uh, two innocent, upstanding um, Canadian citizens. And I think that Canada really has to, um, instead of trying to engage through quiet diplomacy or policy of appeasement, to try and uh, jolly the Chinese along to release them, that we have to start uh, engaging in substantive retaliation to demand that... uh, Kovac and Saber be released back to Canada as soon as possible while they're still in good health.
1: Okay. Thank you both, Chuck Kwan and Charles Burton. I appreciate it very much. Good to speak
2: with you again. Bye, Chuck. Bye.
0: Bye. 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 You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.